All right, folks, welcome to the show. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. You're listening to the Hunter's Quest podcast, and I'm excited to have a conversation today with uh, Dylan Dowson from Onyx Maps or Onyx Hunt. Um, as you may or may not know, I just recently started working with Onyx officially. I've been using Onyx since, I don't even know, probably eight years or so. I've been an elite member uh, well before I even was thinking about doing anything in the outdoor industry or podcast or anything like that. Um, Onyx is kind of the standard in terms of maps. If you want to you know, look at property ownership, you want to look at public-private boundaries, if you want to do any public land hunting, I mean, it's basically, it's a must. I think probably most of you listening to this have Onyx, um, but if you don't, um, if you're looking to start hunting out west and uh, you want to turn your phone into a fully functioning GPS on top of a bunch of other great tools, you definitely want Onyx. Especially for me, coming from out east, I do a ton of e-scouting, and their desktop platform is also really good. They have great 3D maps, um, tons of awesome layers in there, and it's just a really, really good company. I met Dylan about a year and a half ago at the expo last year. Um, and he's a great guy. So, um, I didn't really want to do just like a, you know, hour long commercial for Onyx. I really wanted to kind of just have an off the cuff conversation, get to know Dylan a little bit. He's a, he's a great hunter, a great dude. He just had his, uh, second child, I believe. So, um, we just talk about life and hunting and a whole host of topics, including Onyx, but it's, I promise you, it's not an hour long commercial for Onyx. <laughs> um, it's a great conversation, so I hope you enjoy. If you don't have Onyx, um, it's the most rock-solid app out there. It's the best, by far, the best mapping software for hunting there is. Um, you know, like I said, it's kind of the gold standard. Um, so if you're in the market for that, um, definitely I would recommend it. And I would also tell you to use the code HuntersQuest20. Um, no, I'm sorry, scratch that. Use the code QUEST20 and you'll save 20% uh, from your membership. So it's a nice little kickback and then I will actually, that'll actually help support the show as well. So if you're in the market for maps, Onyx is the way to go, I can guarantee you. And use the code QUEST20, you'll save 20% off your membership. Um, also, it comes with, um, a premium subscription comes with um, a subscription to Hunt and Fool, and they just also acquired Top Rut, which is uh, an application website for draw odds. So they kind of have everything in house, um, and they're working to improve that process as well. But um, really, where they made their name is Maps, and that's uh, what their standard is. And so, definitely, if you need Maps, Onyx is the way to go. Anyway, um, enough on that. Thank you for your support. Uh, I'll probably be just getting back from my bear hunt when this releases. So hope you guys are having a great spring. Hope you got out and did some turkey hunting, maybe some bear hunting. Um, hope you guys are enjoying. And um, you know, as I always say, please go ahead and share this with friends and family. Like and subscribe. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave me a rating and review. All those things are super helpful to keep me going um, on this quest that we're on together. And lastly, um, I know I've been mentioning it a lot, but I just want to continue to mention uh, the Hunter's Quest TV show will be launching the last week of June on the Sportsman Channel, and probably the easiest airtime to catch it will be at 12 noon Eastern time on Saturday. So 
Um, if you got Sportsman Channel and you're uh, have kind of a, a chill Saturday, I'd love for you to tune in and watch it. I've been working my butt off trying to get it off the ground, and I think it's going to be a really good show. I know it's going to be a really good show um, because I've been working super hard on it. So I really appreciate you all support. Um, and I look forward to uh, continuing this quest together. So thanks again, guys. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the next one. All right, guys. Welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter. Today, I'm here with my new friend, Dylan Dowson from Onyx Hunt. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. We, uh, As we were just chatting, I'm sleep deprived and <laughs> yeah. you know all sorts of different things right now but uh doing really good yeah i was just saying he has a bit of a new dad tired face because you just had a baby when was that uh it's crazy man it, it seems like it was like a week ago but it'll be a month actually today it's a month um so a month okay. ago but yeah number number two for us and um you know beforehand i heard everything from uh, you won't even know this the difference from one to two. And then I heard like, it is the biggest, you know, biggest uppercut you've ever taken in your life. One, one to two. And I would say it's somewhere in the middle. It's uh it's an yeah. adjustment for sure, but we're getting things figured out. He's, uh, he's starting to do pretty good. So yeah. How old's your other one? Uh, two, he'll be two years old tomorrow actually. So, okay. so that's a pretty, um, that's pretty close. Yeah. We had our second yeah, but... one. My little boy was like, I think he was six something like that five six okay yeah um so fa- yeah, it's fairly definitely adjustment. sufficient yeah yeah pretty good i mean definitely like out of diapers yeah. and stuff but yeah we're about to have number three so i don't know what that's gonna be like but uh it's crazy <laughs> like breaking out all the baby stuff again like you know what i mean like you think you're kind of yep. past it and then you're getting out bottles and all this stuff so it's crazy yeah yeah it's it's good though i mean life is Yes. Life is good. It's it's busy for sure. Um, but before we know it, he'll be two, and we'll be wondering what the heck happened to the last yeah. two years. So trying, you know, you I do know, your best man. to to not uh, not wish time away or take for anything sure. for granted, but also try not to be, you know, frustrated or like I guess wish time away. Yeah, there's a season for everything, man, and um, that's the biggest thing. Like, as I get older and watch the kids, it's just. Yeah, it's a, it's a precious time. It is busy. It can be tiring. It can be challenging, but like it's also amazing, and you're going to look back, and you don't want to mm-hmm. fast forward to this stuff, you know? For sure. Yep. It goes quick. Yeah, man. So, um, so yeah, Dylan works at Onyx, and I promise you I did not wear this just for this. I was <laughs> just wearing this today, um, <laughs> my sweatshirt. Um, but, um, yeah, I just I announced a while ago – but fairly recently that I started working with Onyx officially. And I'm very excited about that because man, I've been a user of Onyx since gosh, I don't know, probably seven, eight years or something like a long time. I think a lot of people, I mean, it's kind of the industry, not industry standard. It's sort of like the, I don't know, just standard. Like everyone's like, Oh, open up your Onyx. It's like Kleenex or Coke. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, what part of the the cool part about that is like being first to market, you know, mm-hmm. our our founder, Eric Siegfried, you know, it was kind of his, his uh, dream, and, and he made it made it happen. So kind of being first to market definitely speaks for itself there, yeah. um, getting a, a leg up on any competition, but it's it's actually funny. So I started out in customer service at Onyx. Uh-huh. And 
um shoot I'm, yeah it's going on like eight years ago um oh. but at the time like for size reference at the time i was the one and only customer service rep so oh my god anybody who called anybody who <laughs> you know like it all got filtered to me um you know now i don't even know our customer service service has got to be 40 50 people at least um oh, yeah. with some seasonal help so a lot has changed since then but um you you saying that just reminded me it was pretty funny early on we'd get a lot of emails and stuff like oh, i i thought about this three years ago and i wanted to do this and so on and so forth and like i wish i did and, and you <laughs> you hear that all the time yeah um lots of lots of good ideas out there but yeah our founder uh eric siegfried he basically he was just solving a problem for himself honestly he uh he's also from eastern montana originally um pretty close to where i grew up and actually where i'm at today this is not my typical setting but uh with the birth of our our little one we're back at home for a couple of weeks and taking mm-hmm. advantage of uh some family help and and hanging out and seeing friends oh, and family nice. but um long story short eric is from eastern montana he moved to western montana where he didn't he didn't really know where he could go like it was you know you know what's private what's public you know you can figure it out there are matters out there but he just didn't feel confident and so what he started doing is he went down and he got all of the the plat maps Uh and found a way to digitize those and format it to fit an sd card and make it work in Mm. his garmin gps so he was essentially he was just solving a problem for himself and then along the way was like i you know i think we have something here um that a lot of folks would take take full advantage of and and would benefit from so um yeah hence on X and you know why I'm here today with, with the company. Yeah. It's, it's funny cause, um, it has a lot of different uses. I mean, when I, when I first downloaded it, the reason I downloaded on X, however many years ago it was, was because where I grew up hunting, there's not public land. Like it's, can you get permission anywhere? So just being able to pull it up and and see the landowner's name and then try to look them up and call them like that was like one of the main yeah. functions I got on X for and then also just you know looking at your aerial photos and um god I remember back in the day and I was a kid like you had to, like if you wanted an aerial photo you had to like hire a pilot to like fly over your property <laughs> and take a photo do you yeah. remember that yeah i mean we, you know, I grew up hunting a lot of public lands in Montana, but we also, you know, still, even after, after this, uh, podcast, I'm going to go out and turkey and shed hunt on some private that we have access to. So nice. like, you know, it was, it was a pretty good mix for us, but yeah, I definitely have heard of, um, <laughs> local farmers and ranchers in the area having a plane go by and, and take photos for them to, <laughs> yeah. to use. So school, no, it, it's crazy how, how things change, man. Cause now like we're, you know, I won't let it the cat out of the bag too much but we're working with a data provider that will essentially allow us to um offer the ability to a customer to say okay i want this you know five square miles or ten square miles or whatever that looks like i want an image shot in the next week of this area and and to provide that so it's, it's pretty crazy you know what technology um and really time allows allows you to do you don't no longer need to uh call around until you find a pilot and give him a a camera to go take up into the air yeah and then now you know as i've like transitioned more into western hunting in fact last year was the first time since i was 13 years old that i did not tree stand hunt for whitetails in my home state 
I was so busy no just kidding. doing, yeah, I was just so busy doing Western hunting. When I came home, I would be editing and, you know, I was just gone for 10 days. I'm not going to be like, oh, hey, babe, I'm going to go uh, yeah. sit in a tree stand for five hours now. Like that was not going to fly. Yeah. So, but um, anyway, all I'm trying to say is, is now I use it for a different purpose. Now it's, it's mainly focused on, like you said, finding those those BLM lines, those, uh, you know, public land, private land divides. And then obviously because I am so far away, I do a lot of e-scouting. So I also use the desktop a lot and the 3d feature and stuff like that. And I've used other mapping software and I think it is important to use different tools like with Google earth and stuff like that. But I still, I always kind of go back to on X cause I know it, all my waypoints are in there. And it's just, it's all there, man. So it's, uh, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. It just works. And like, you know, back to going back to like eight years ago when I started at the time, you know, it was, the app was out there. It, you know, people had the app, but honestly I didn't push it all that much. Uh, being in customer service when people would call, it was definitely, yeah, you know, check out the app, but technology still has ways to go and we have some improvements to make, but uh, we were really selling a lot of the, the Garmin GPS chips. So like mm. little micro SD chips, plug into the back of your Garmin. Everyone had one at the time. Fast forward to today. I mean, 2023, nobody <laughs> has, I mean, if you put a hundred people in a room that hunt and maybe a couple still have a, a GPS, yeah. um, everybody's Dude. got their phones and, you know, with the improvements of a technology, I won't, I won't put all that on us, but just the improvements with technology. And then, you know, we've came a long ways. It went from, yeah, I use the chip, use your uh garmin gps with our chip in it have the app because you can do some pretty cool stuff with it to today like you know we don't even sell the chip we we just yeah. continue that product because everybody's got a phone and the the reliability is is the biggest thing and i think that's what really you know not to get salesy on onyx but what really sets onyx apart is like the re the reliability when i go out there it's just going to work yeah. yes it's still technology there's once in a while bugs and little things but um yeah, it's pretty pretty astounding from eight years ago to when I remember phone calls and being like, yeah, you know, the app's really cool. You can look at all these things and you can customize, but like you're going to want the chip, you know, because it's reliable and it works. And now it's like, yeah, the phone is where it's at. It's reliable. It works. Um, and it has, you know, more on there and more customization than what most people, what 99% of people can even fathom. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, does Garmin like hate you guys now? <laughs> uh it's a good question um well we, we you had to have taken a the, chunk out of their sales yeah i mean a, a, a major <laughs> one um we discontinued the chip so that alone right there will probably you know not have people buying gps it's like i remember again going back to cs like people would call and say hey i'm in cabela's right now i'm getting you guys this chip i've heard all about it but what what garmin should i buy like what right. does it work best on so I don't know how many GPSs I sold just based on like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, Hey, well, are you a backpack hunter? Well, then you're going to want an Oregon cause it's a little bit smaller. Yeah. You know, do you want to drive around and use it? Then you want a Montana cause it's got a bigger screen and it's mm. still durable and everything. So I remember, uh, you know, selling GPSs back in the day I unintentionally, know, you know, they hear they're buying a six, $700 GPS so they can buy our hundred dollar product. And, um, you know, That's... really they were buying it for the use of, of the chip. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man, how much stuff has changed. And um, I always think, like, it'd be so cool if you could 
like, well, I always think it'd be cool if like you could, uh, I don't know, like, like at, go to an auction and like buy like all of like Randy Newberg's pins or something or like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I'm auction sure that, I think I've actually heard of people doing so or like someone like they get old and like retire from hunting and they like leave somebody their pins kind of thing. Um, <laughs> that'd be kind of fun. Just do like a, a little treasure map or something. Leave yeah. clues behind. <laughs> yeah. be hilarious. Well, here's, here's um, a flash drive. <laughs> um, so going back a little bit, man, cause I do obviously want to talk about Onyx, but I just want to kind of get to know you a little bit too. Um, well, first of all, do you remember meeting me like t- a year and a half ago? I want to say yes, but I can't. <laughs> I can't put my was, finger on the, the time it was, and place. So I'm not going to do that. No, it was very brief. It was uh, not this expo, but the one the year before. I can't Salt remember. Lake. Yeah, somebody who was it? It was Guy from western contours i'm pretty sure introduced me we just talked for like five minutes and i got your card at that point i was i was i'm still small fry or whatever but at that point i was like really just getting started and i was like i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna ask these guys it's like i just like whatever um but anyway but then when i was getting the tv show stuff together and i was kind of thinking about who i could talk to and i still had your card uh, oh, yeah? on it yeah so but you don't remember that do you that's funny probably not man i'll, <laughs> I'll be I'll be completely honest um I, I wish i did you meet so many people at the expos and that's like that's one of my biggest faults as a human and i really need to work on it is like <laughs> you know obviously once you meet somebody a couple times or start working with them like right heck you know we've worked together for a little while now and i feel like i i feel like i've met you you know and we've hung out and spent a bunch of time in person together just from the the conversations we've had, but the, the really quick meets, especially at expos oh, yeah. and stuff where you're, you're meeting like millions of people, a couple hundred people at least yeah. a day. It's like, yeah, it's, that's something that I need to work on. <laughs> no, that's normal, dude. It's wild. Like, um, I, I tracked my steps this year. The first day of the expo, I walked 12 miles inside the no kidding. Center. That's yeah. why your, that's why your feet hurt so freaking bad from I walking know. on concrete for, yeah. You know, put in a, a solid twelve mile day. There it is, right there. It's not focusing. That's funny. <laughs> there we go. Dylan Dowson, oh, community now coordinator. They're, now they're gonna have my phone number. Oh dang it! <laughs> Sorry. I can edit that out. I can edit that. Out. Let me make a note. No, it's it's all good. That's um, uh, that's funny though. But yeah, actually, this this year for the first year, I uh, I put my sheep feet in just like my trade show shoes or you know my shoes i use at trade shows and like Mm -hmm. it made a big difference because i remember uh years past you get to the end of like a four or five day show where you're standing on concrete all day every day and like by the end of it your feet just are my feet were killing me Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you're familiar with sheep feet but oh yeah yeah, i I tried them out i got some last year i think for the first time and i was pretty skeptical at first because i did a couple like a couple mile hike with them and it just felt strange to me i wasn't sure if i was gonna like them but um i stuck with it and i really like them but yeah it's uh it was a game changer at yeah at the expo this year yeah and then like just the being in um what's it called fluorescent light for that long oh yeah oh yeah. like i'm 
feeling nauseous just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, no, it's a great show. It's a lot of fun, tons of cool stuff. But um, when you're like really hustling and trying to meet folks and and stuff, it can be intense. But um, but yeah. anyway, dude. Um, yeah. Tell me a little about yourself. Like, tell me about um where you grew up. Like, getting started hunting. Just tell me about yourself. Yeah. So I grew up, as I said earlier, I'm actually in my hometown. Actually, sitting in the the room my room growing up oh really <laughs> yeah it's uh i mean it's a trip down memory lane but uh so i grew up in eastern montana a small little town called glendive i think it's like five five to seven thousand people or something like that so um grew up over here and man i remember my dad you know kind of a, a typical bring up of of the hunting stories but i remember like four years old or so I started going with my dad. Nice. Um, I've got a picture with uh, him and his biggest mule deer and I no BS. Like I remember this, like it was yesterday. Um, it's gotta be one of my like earliest memories that I can think of, but I was five. Um, and my dad shot his, his best mule deer to date, like not too far from here, like um, land that we've always, you know, he's always had permission on. We've punted and um, just a, a super cool, heavy, like 190, low 190s nice. buck, but just a gorgeous, gorgeous mule deer. And yeah, I was five years old and it was opening morning. He had been archery hunting that buck and just didn't get it done. So opening morning arrival, I remember we got up super early. Like I remember him, you know, getting me ready. I remember driving out there. I remember like hiking through the canyons in the dark and poking our heads up and that buck i think he was with like seven or eight other other bucks and a couple other really nice deer too but um yeah he shot that deer like 10 minutes into legal light on opening morning when i was five and like like i said that's just kind of my one of my like earliest childhood memories um so yeah i grew up with it you know hunting the. sorry to jump in but was that a was like a far hike like how far did you have to hike it was probably a man at the time. It seemed like it, um, it was probably like a mile or something okay. like that. So, so nothing, nothing too yeah. crazy, but, um, is that when you were like, 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 mm, I want to do this or was it just kind of like normal? Like I'm a kid, whatever kind of thing. It was cool. I, I realized the significance of it for sure. Especially after we brought that deer to town and everybody was like, you know, holy cows, like, you know, checking them out and super excited. Yeah. So I realized the significance, but I remember the kind of the aha moment of like, this is what I want to do. This is who I am. Um, shoot. Then I was probably 10 or 11. Um, it was my first archery elk hunt with my dad. So mm. we, uh, you know, we grew up rifle, mostly rifle hunting deer, antelope, like what was close mule deer, whitetail, um, bird hunting occasionally, that type of thing. Just, just getting out quite a bit. Um, and then I started archery elk hunting, you know, tagging along with my dad, I should say when he was archery elk hunting when I was probably 10 and the very first evening that I ever was with him, I remember we were down in this bottom, um, and there was three or four bulls just screaming all the way around us. Like we were just right in the middle of a, you know, one of those moments where you're like, you don't even really try to explain it. Cause you're like, it's not going to do it justice, you know? Yeah just uh incredible so that evening i remember we had some close encounters and bulls just screaming everywhere saw to this day probably one of the best bull, you know 360 plus um out of range just screaming his head off and i remember sitting there that night and uh my dad he had a you know our gear back then was probably not probably it was incredibly laughable 
um, <laughs> but he had this like really old school flashlight with batteries that like as you would walk they would kind of squash in there a little bit and jiggle yeah. and make make noise so he took those out i think the night before and uh they weren't in his backpack so he realized this as it was getting dark and we were probably you know two three four miles i don't remember exactly but it was it was a hike out of there to the pickup yeah. in an area that we had never been to before this is way pre-onyx i think they had i know they had gps's but it was like archaic um yeah I think and like at that point never, like never only like yeah and like only like I don't know. I don't want to say rich people, but like not everybody yeah. had them. They were expensive and like new technology. Yeah. Yeah. And I think worked about 5% of the time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I remember we're sitting there and he was like, he realized and he's like, oh, we need to get going. And 10 um, year old me, again, I remember this like it was yesterday just being like, no, we can't leave. Like, this is the coolest thing I've ever experienced <laughs> in my entire life. We are not leaving. Like, so we just sat there until it was, you know, super dark and just listened to uh, listened to all the bulls and the, the elk around us and stuff. And that was kind of the moment for me where it was like, OK, this is this is like incredible stuff that most people, you know, I say most people we're talking to the ones that do experience it, but um, that a lot of people won't you. experience and just don't understand it. So that uh, that probably flipped the switch, um, especially for archery elk like, you know, I. I rifle hunt, I archery hunt, I, whatever is, you know, the best for that, the task at hand. Um, but for me, elk, like it's, it's predominantly archery during elk season. And then once, uh, deer season switches, it's, you know, break out the rifles and so on yeah. and so forth. But yeah, no, that's a little bit, I guess, about background of, of hunting yeah. and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, man. Um, man, you're definitely, um, fortunate to grow up in that um and not that i'm like jealous because it's we all have our own path and i think it's kind of yep. cool also that i've kind of found it as an adult but yeah i remember the and i've talked about this a bunch of times so but i remember the first time i was like in archery range of a bugling bull and this is only like three years ago three four years ago and yeah it's uh it's like a next level kind of hard to describe it's a feeling man it's like the atmosphere changes it's crazy yeah no it it is and like we i mean we always were pretty successful you know deer antelope hunting and just got after it like my dad shot several really nice bucks and antelope antelope bucks with me and stuff but elk was elk was a different story man it's uh you know i wouldn't say it's not at all like you know i'm not i don't live in an area where there's elk but it was like a three, four hour drive from where we live to mm. elk hunting. So it was pretty, you know, far in between. Like we didn't, I would not consider myself an elk hunter until I moved to Western Montana and like really got after it and hunted them quite a bit. But um, it was such a challenge. And it was just like for so many years, it was like, this is impossible. Like how, <laughs> like how are these guys shooting bulls every year with a bow? Just like, it just, you know, I could not understand it. And then, you know, sooner or later, I, for me anyways, I, I think there's a couple, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to say complete luck, but like the, the situations unfolded perfectly. Right? right. So I shot a couple bulls and it was like, all right. And then you like take that knowledge and then you apply it to the next situation and fail and then apply that knowledge to the next one. And mm -hmm. sooner or later it was just like, okay, like it's, you know, you start 
going a few years in a row with, with filling the freezer with elk and uh, like, okay, like I get it now, but man, for so many years, it was just like, how, how, like, this is impossible. (laughs) Yeah, dude, bow hunting is tough. And um, yeah, it's, so I, I, I drew a Montana general elk tag this year, but then I drew another tag, a really good, New Mexico muzzleloader elk tag. I wasn't expecting to draw. And so now I'm trying to figure out like how to squeeze in (laughs) a Montana hunt in there. And uh, let's just say I have a a large learning curve ahead of me because a, I don't even own a muzzleloader right now. I think actually I just ordered one today. So technically I own one. (laughs) Um, Good. And uh, I don't know how to elk call. Um, what else I got stacked against me? I don't know. Lots of stuff. I've never killed an elk. So, um, and I said to myself like, okay, this is my year. This is my, I'm going to kill my first elk this year. And of course I draw this like amazing New Mexico tag and I got my Montana tag. So I'm trying to figure out how to make it all happen. But, um, you know, sometimes you just got to get out there and, and just try your best and you might fail, but you know, you just got to learn, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, I think for me, when I started being more successful, I still have a, a ton to learn. You know, it's like you never stop learning. But when I started finding more success, um, specifically with elk hunting, it was like I was being way too timid before yeah. and not making the moves that you need to make or setting up behind a tree because you're like, there's not much cover around here. Well, that's all great. But if you can't draw your bow, you can't right. kill the elk. So, you know, it's making like there's so many situations I look back on and I'm like, I would have killed so many more bulls or so many great bulls. If I like, you just think back, you're like, why would I ever think that was a good idea to do? Like, why would I draw then? Why would I not draw when he was there? Why would I, why would I call? Why would I not call? Like, there's so many things that, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. Um, And that's, what's so cool about it though, is, you know, it's like, even once you start to get it figured out, you learn stuff, every situation is different. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even like last year, it was, it was a great year for me, but there was a few things I wish I would have changed in the year before. And yeah, it's, it's a constant learning curve. And I think that's, what's so cool and challenging about it. But, um, when are you, so you're going to come out for archery or for rifle for Montana? Um, right now it's looking like September, September. Copy. Um, because, yeah, because I have that other tag in mid-October, and then November I've got plans going to Oregon, and so that's kind of really the only time I have. It's just going to be tight because I, I don't want to sound – I probably sound like such a jerk because I'm like – sound like I'm whining about it. It's not. It's like the most yeah, amazing I've problem. I've got too, too many elk tags. Yeah, it's like the most amazing problem to have ever, but I'm coming off a really big, logistic, heavy Alaska hunt like the 5th mm-hmm. of September – and then I have this um, other tag in New Mexico that I really want to put a lot of, you know, energy into it because it's such a hard tag to draw. Um, and then I, I'm trying to figure out the best strategy for for September. Yeah. No, it's – and you only get so many of them. Like, a lot, yeah. you know, you hear that all the time, but it's true. Um, so, yeah, it's taking full advantage. And some of those draw tags, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you, you want to draw and then you end up with – too many takes, yeah. which again, it's first world problems. But, right. Right. Um, 
I try it with like my application strategy, I guess, if you will, is there's a lot of hunts that I swing for the fences on because mm -hmm. it's like, if I draw this, it will be worthwhile to sacrifice something else. But mm -hmm. lately I've been trying to like do one out of state hunt a year. So, you know, maybe before kids, it would have been two, but, um, now it's like just in Montana. I mean, we have seasons oh, yeah. constantly right now. I could be bear hunting, turkey hunting, like, no, there's always stuff going on in Montana and we have really lengthy seasons. And so, you know, especially if say I draw two other elk tags, if, if I haven't filled my tag in Montana, it's like, well, what am I doing? You know, going and learning a new area. Yes. It's cool to like explore new areas and check it out, but it's, uh, it's tough when you get a lot of tags in your pocket and it's yeah. again, first world, but, um, it's, it's still a, a situation that you have to manage. So I totally understand. Yeah, man. And then especially coming from out here, I mean, I, there's just an extra layer of logistics, like coming from the East coast that makes it fun and challenging. Um, yeah, are so, yeah. you, are you driving out? No, no, man. I, I did that last year for bear season, three solid, like 12 to 14 hour days in a row of driving. And I was like this yeah. no. like when I got home from that trip, like, it was like it was almost like I was injured. Like my legs were all swollen. Like I was like yeah. gained a bunch of weight eating like all fast food on the way home. Like it was terrible. My body was like it yeah. really was bad. So and that's like six days of extra time away from my family. As we just mentioned, I had number three on the way, so it's already gonna be, you know, a crazy time. So um so yeah, I, I fly and I have friends out there like that I'll I'll ship a bunch of my gear to like, yeah, like a month before. Nice. Yeah. And, or like sometimes my camera guys, I'll work out a deal with them where like they'll pick me up at the airport and they'll have like a tent, like a, like on when I went to Montana this year, my camera guy picked me up at the airport. He had a truck, he had a wall tent and like, so we kind of worked that out. That yeah. was nice. Um, so I do my best to like be as efficient, efficient as possible, but still I got I'm flying a lot. So, but Hey, you know, like I said, it's, um, it's worth it. So. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, that's always the, the debate. And I haven't driven that far. I guess one time my dad did a uh, archery British Columbia moose hunt. And like mm. that one, it was like 30, 32 hours, wow. 31 hours, some, somewhere in there. And that one was, that was a pull. Um, but especially <laughs> if you're coming out by yourself, like that's, oh, yeah. uh, that's pretty, pretty Just brutal. Mind so numbing, totally dude. understand. Yeah. It's yeah. mind numbing. And you want to get there really fast. So you want to, drive as much as you can but i mean yeah i mean three yeah. days of 13 14 hours in a car in a row is rough but um, that's rough that that makes it nice that you can ship your gear because that that's one of the biggest dilemmas um my dad and i are actually right now planning a, a texas auto hunt i think in january oh, nice. and it's like you know i think it's like 25 26 hour drive down there mm -hmm. and it would be nice to have all the gear that we want um but also then that's two days yeah. and all sorts of different logistics. So it's, it's always a give and take. Um, when I went to Alaska two years ago, that was the first time I, that was the first time I've ever flown on a hunt that I was going on, like mm -hmm. that I was hunting. And so that was kind of an experience of, you know, checking the rifle and yeah. checking the pistol and making yep. sure you got enough gear, but not too much gear. And, um, yeah, yeah it was, it was, a pretty pretty interesting trip <laughs> yeah i'm like a professional at uh flying with gear now <laughs> that's like my <laughs> specialty yeah 
I was not. I, I took <laughs> way too much stuff. I, I have a horrible habit of doing that. Like even on heck, we're just in Western Montana where I live now and just came to Eastern Montana. And I'm like, well, I might want to go look for horns while I'm over there while it's turkey season. And I've got access to some turkey places. So I might want a turkey hunt. So yeah. I'm going to bring that stuff. And it's like, I'm going to bring this stuff. And it's just like, you end up bringing, you know, half a pickup full of <laughs> stuff that you use like maybe one time and you really don't need. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, that's cool. So are you like a, you're an elk guy. If you had to pick elk or deer, you're an elk guy. That's a tough one. I really hope I never have to pick. Um, <laughs> I would say for archery, like if somebody said archery, what do you, I'd say elk a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, for rifle, I'd say deer. So like okay. I, you know, my dad and I were talking about this last night and it's unintentional the last like three or four years. I, you know, the goal isn't always to shoot a buck. Like I'm, you know, I've shot enough deer that I'm looking for the buck that gets me excited. And, you know, I'm just not trying to fill the freezer with, with mm -hmm. deer. Um, but ever since I've been 12, which is when you can legally hunt Montana, I've shot a buck. So, and that those have, I've shot a couple with a bow, um, but I'd say 98% with rifle. And then on the flip side, um, I've shot two cow elk with rifle, but all, every bull that I've shot has been with a bow. So it's like okay. September and it's kind of nice for me because then it's never like, okay, what am I doing this weekend? It's like, okay, what time of year is it? What's open? Yeah. It's September, early October. Sweet. I've got a bow in my hand and I'm, you know, chasing bugles. And then after that, it's, you know, it's like a flip or a switch flips. And now all of a sudden I'm rifle hunting mule deer or whitetail. So, um, yeah, again, hope I never have to pick, but I'd say <laughs> elk for archery and yeah. deer, deer for rifle. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that Eastern Montana, um, deer season is just uh it's special it's horrible don't don't come up no it's <laughs> yeah it's horrible. terrible it's the worst thing it's the worst, it's the worst thing ever <laughs> it's the worst no it's 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 cool man there's uh there's a lot of cool opportunities in montana long yeah. seasons and uh you know enough public and opportunities that mm -hmm. that you can get on um you know it helps if you have a little bit of access just to find that next age class but there's yeah. there's a lot of nice deer to be to be found on public for sure, man. And, um, yeah, I, I had a great, that'll probably, that will probably be one of those hunts that stays with me, you know, forever. Just kind of, yep. just, it was special, you know, um, now was that, was that the buck behind you there? Yeah. It's him right there. That one. That's, yeah. That's the one yeah, you saw sweet. the episode. Yep. Um, that was and cool. so, yeah, man, he's a cool deer. And, um, what was I going to say? Um, lost my train of thought but um yeah that was oh i was going to say i was talking you were talking about the um not filling your freezer with deer and stuff and it just brought up a point that um i was doing a show a week or so ago with jason matzinger and he yeah. he brought it up in a way that i've never heard it described before that made a lot of sense to me and it kind of clicked it was like he was like you know it bugs me when guys go out and shoot a really small mule deer and say well i was just for the meat and he's like, yeah, get a whitetail doe tag or like a cow elk tag. If it's really just for the meat, um, mule deer are a really fragile species and we need those young up and comer bucks for this, for the, the herd, you know, population. And he's like, you know, wait for that big crusty old buck. That's maybe not as fertile as he once was, but he's keeping all the young guys off the does and stuff. And, um, and so I think a lot of people, myself included, literally until he said that, you know, kind of 
and I'm not against trophy hunting. I never have been. Like I understand, mm-hmm. I've never been much of a trophy hunter, but like I understand wanting a big animal. But I never thought about it in that way of you're really doing what's best for the herd and letting those younger bucks yeah. walk. You know. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I know Jason really, really well. We, I worked with him for years, and yeah. you know we hunt similar-ish areas and and whatnot. And he he would say anything that I think way more elegantly than I ever would. Um, <laughs> but I completely agree with him. Like, it's uh, as a resident, like first of all, like I, I don't want to feel I don't want anybody to feel like I'm attacking them. You know, as a non-resident coming here, but because I totally understand it. it's expensive. Like it, you you get out here it's a thousand bucks plus for a deer out day. Like it's expensive. You know, you've, you've had your hunt all week and then you see a, you know, a younger buck on the last few days you want to, you know, you, you've spent your money, spent your time. You want to take a deer home, like totally understand. Um, and I don't fault anybody for shooting anything. Like if, if you want to shoot something, if it excites you and, you know, or if you truly are after the meet, like that's great. But yeah, as, as Jason, I'm sure alluded to there, it's uh, it can be frustrating seeing some like really nice potential, yeah. two-year-old bucks uh you know leaving the state in the back of a pickup because you're like man like yeah that's uh that's tough but you know it's it's interesting because i kind of went through you know i'm not not proud of it by any means but i went through like a phase where i was trying to chase inches and numbers mm-hmm. and um to be honest i was pretty young i was in like high school and right out of high school i was like you know is that deer 170 is he 175 like you know, and it really wasn't trying to chase inches as much as like trying to find the mature deer, but I, I was probably going about it the wrong way. And I was, I was pretty immature anymore. Like, and by no means do I have it all figured out now, but anymore, I would be so stoked with like a super old seven year old nasty two by three buck. That's heavy. And like just an old gnarly buck. I would way rather shoot that deer that doesn't score anything yeah. as opposed to a three and a half year old buck. That's, you know, 165. That's not at his prime. So it's, it's, uh, I think a lot of it for me was, um, you know, some immaturity and just, just figuring it out. And for sure, but yeah, anymore, it's like, what is that deer? Is he four years old? Is he six years old? Um, yeah. And this year, uh, actually last year I went to Colorado for the first time and, um recently i just got the age back on that buck from his teeth and he was seven seven oh, and a cool. half and uh to me that was way cooler like he's he's my best buck score wise and just everything but yeah um the fact that he was over seven years old was probably the coolest aspect to me um yeah and i was you know i brought the cape back and everything and it's like i don't know like you know i might shoulder mount this buck it was a super cool hunt really cool memory like he's a gorgeous deer and I was still pretty on the fence. And then when I saw like, that's gotta be the oldest buck I've ever shot. Um, when I saw that, I was like, okay, hey, I'm probably going to do it just cause I think that's so cool that he was, yeah. you know, living up there for over seven years and, um, you know, dodging hunters and all sorts of predators and stuff. Like to me, that's, uh, that's much more cool than the, yeah. the number of inches he had. For sure, man. Yeah. I mean, um, when Jason said that, I was like, I was kind of like, Oh, I kind of felt bad. <laughs> I felt bad because oh, no. I killed my first mule deer this year, and it's not that one. That's my second one. First one was yeah. itty bitty, and but you know it was, you know I don't want to like whatever. Like I said, and Jason said it perfectly. There's an evolution as a hunter, right? And I'm still very much yeah. in that evolution process. You know that itty bitty mule deer buck I killed. It was a different state um, than where you are, but we were in um, way back in the back country. Um, 
in a very tough area, very low density. We went like six days without seeing a single buck. Um, and it was kind of that thing, you know, we saw a legal deer and, um, I went for it and, um, um, I definitely see how, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Like you said, you, you got a lot invested, you know, you come on this big trip, you want to yeah. come home with the deer, but I definitely see it differently now. Um, just knowing what a, it, it's different from a whitetail. It's, it's a more fragile species. Um, you know, a whitetail, you can kill a bunch of little spikes and it doesn't really matter cause they're just, they, they grow like rabbits, but, um, and, and I don't, I don't feel guilty about it. Like I said, that's part of that no. evolution, yeah. but, um, I definitely will think about it more going forward. Um, but this guy, but, he was good. Oh, that's, I was, I was going to say like, that's a phenomenal deer to shoot. Um, you know, for, for many reasons. And like, that was a, a very mature deer behind you there, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day too, like, yeah, don't, don't feel bad about that. You or just anybody, like if you, if that excites you or anybody, like not saying you specifically, but right, right. if anybody's listening and like, it excites them to shoot whatever, I don't care if it's a two by spike, like if it excites you shoot that deer every year for the rest of your life. Like, you know, if it excites you and that turns your crank, like that's by all means, you got the tag, like, um, you know, it's super cool. I just, the, the one thing that is frustrating is when somebody does shoot a deer. And I think this is what Jason was alluding to. And they're like, well, you know, Oh, the freezer was pretty low or like, and that totally understand. Like if you are shooting for me, like that's, that part is understandable. But when it's like excuses and justifications to why they shot the deer, they shot, it's like, own it. Like be, be happy about it. Be proud of it. Like you, at the end of the day, you killed that deer. Like you ended its life. Like we all, you know, we all understand this and we, we eat the meat that we, we kill and everything. And yeah, but you know, if you're killing something and this is something I had to go through when I was out of high school, it was you know, being, once you pull the trigger and you make that decision, like be proud of that animal, be proud of the situation. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I can think back again, not proud of it by any means, but, you know, walking up on a couple bucks that I shot and been like, man, I thought he was bigger, man. I mm-hmm. thought his back forks were better, man. I thought he was this or like, uh, I don't know. And then, you know, you think about it later on in life when you mature a little more and you're like, that's, it's horrible. You know, you chose yeah. to kill that deer. It's like, be proud of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's cool. And the, the evolution is definitely there. And I think that's another cool thing about hunting and what we do is it never stops. Like, mm-hmm. you know, me five years from now is going to be a different hunter in person than me today. So it's, yeah. uh, it's yeah, super I was, cool. I thought it was a really cool point Jason made. So I thought it was worth bringing up, but yeah, totally. this guy, like, you know, and it's funny you talking about scores and stuff because, and I, I've mentioned this before too. So if, guys listening and heard me talk about this before forgive me but it's just interesting like going from my hunting culture and then like totally diving into like the western hunting culture which is completely different it's interesting to like just see the little subtle differences in the culture and like um you know i'm used to you're in tree stand you see a deer you have 30 seconds to decide is he a shooter and then he's gone so it's like you're yep. just like, oh, nice deer. Okay. And then you guys, you know, and I'm coming into this a little more. You sit on the glassy knob. You see a deer. You got time. You're breaking that thing down. You're, like, analyzing. You're dissecting and deciding. Am I it, – it's it's much less of a knee-jerk reaction than, yeah. like, oh, dang, there's one coming through. Like, I got, like, one second to draw on this thing and decide or, he's you know, opportunity's gone. So I think um, it's interesting 
it allows for, it allows I think maybe to be a little more selective. Um, but yeah. but this I, I personally oh go ahead sorry no I was just gonna say like this guy we saw a lot of bucks um, a lot of you know like you said kind of those two and a half three and a half year old good looking four point. And I went after a couple of them. I'm not going to like sit here and pretend I didn't. I went after a couple of them, but they didn't work out. But then when we saw this guy, my cameraman, who is a much more experienced mule deer hunter than me, he kind of got excited. And, um, and again, this guy, he doesn't – well, he scored – I measured him. He's 130 inches, but he's only a two-point. And uh, he, you could just tell – like, That's a pretty big two-point. Yeah, 130-inch <laughs> two-point. But he was uh, – you could just tell from his body language, like all the other kind of bucks we saw were like, you know, pushing around two or three does. He was just sitting on this, um, on this hillside. He had seven does and he was just bedded, just like chilling, like not a care in the world. And yeah, when we got up on him, he's got that big, just crazy big Roman nose and, um, really cool deer. So I'm with you there. Yeah, totally. I, what I was going to say is I enjoy the process of like picking a deer apart and it's, you know, it sounds like a trophy hunter thing and this and that, but just like age and what is that deer? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a cool process. Like a lot of times I'll, I'll take videos through my spotter and reanalyze them. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's cool to like unintentionally see the same deer every year or, you know, three or four consecutive years. Yeah. Heck, there's one buck that we saw this year um, that I videoed. He actually, man, he was, he was really really looking for some does my dad and i were walking we were really close to the pickup and i think the buck saw movement and he just started running at us um i think he must have assumed we were does or something and he ran to like 15 yards of my dad and then Whoa. circled and walked by me at 20 yards i really really wish i had my bow at that point yeah um it was it was rifle season but he uh he wasn't a deer i wanted to shoot but you know looking at that deer i recognize him because he's got a really cool double throat patch but mm. he has been the exact same, like, antler-wise for the last, like, four years. Oh, like, interesting. Every single year, I'm like, man, that deer next year, like, get a little better, you know, a little bit bigger. Um, you know, I if I find that deer next year, if I know it's him, like, I don't care if he regressed a ton, if he's small, like, because I'll know at that point he's yeah. at least probably a six, seven-year-old buck. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting to see the same deer kind of. It is throughout the years and and do that but i remember to your point of like picking deer apart i remember like shoot it's been three years ago now um i shot a, a really really nice buck and the year before i actually spot or the not the year before the day before i shot him um i spotted that deer and i watched him in the spotter for no joke probably three hours and at mm. one point he went around this little knoll and i couldn't see him so i snuck around to the back side and he was bedded at like 120 yards below me, I had my spotting scope set up, like just watching him at 120 yards. He was like nodding off and he would like, his head would hit the ground and then it would jerk back up. It was so cool just watching yeah. him. And, um, you know, I decided like, I watched him for like an hour and a half at 120 yards. Could have shot him at any point and I decided not to. And then I went back home, met up with my dad and I was by myself at that particular moment, met back up with my dad, showed him the video and, we got to looking at the video more and we're like, man, that's, that's an old mature deer. Like, and I was kind of kicking myself. <laughs> um, so we went back the next day and ended up just being such an awesome morning. And I shot that buck with my dad right beside me, which meant oh, way awesome. more than I yeah. would have been the day, day prior by myself. But um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting now, you know, just seeing a deer and if you have time and it is a calm situation, it is really nice to sit and, yeah. You know, kind of pick the situation apart and be like, do I want to 
do I want to cut my tag today? Like, is this the right buck to cut my tag on? Yeah, that's cool, man. Oh man. Yeah. I've, um, sharing that memory with your dad just reminded me, I was, you said your son, your first one's two and a half, right? Two. So he'll be two tomorrow. Actually. Okay. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. I, I've gotten my son out a couple times just this year, just on like, you know, dove hunt. I took him turkey hunting yeah. one time and, um, it definitely changes the game. Um, but it's, uh, it's cool, man. Getting the kids out there. He really likes it. But, um, all right. So let's see. I do want to ask a little bit about, um, you guys recently. So you guys own the Onyx. I mean, kind of owns the, in my opinion, the maps game. Um, it's kind of the standard. So, but I know you guys recently acquired, Top rut and hunting, or you didn't you didn't acquire hunting fool, but you work with hunting fool. No, yeah, we we've got a really good relationship with hunting fool. Okay, um, cool. but yes, recently um, acquired top rut, so draw odds are now in house. You know, it's it's still branded as top rut for now. Um, but that is on X. So yeah, I mean it's it's cool, and we just it's one of those things that mapping is and will always be our core. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know what. It's why I'm here talking to you today is because of our maps. But um, at the end of the day, like it's not getting easier. It's getting harder in almost every aspect to get tags, especially for out-of-state hunters. So it's just uh, it's a necessity that, yeah, people can use maps in multiple states, but they have to get a tag first. And if they can't get a tag, then, you know, the maps are are no good in Colorado if you don't have a Colorado tag. So, yeah. um, Yeah, we just saw a need for it and uh, decided to acquire Top Rut. So working on a bunch of draw odd stuff, uh, kind of revamping how that's going to look and feel, and it's it's going to be really really cool. I mean, it's it's awesome right now. It's what I use and trust for draw odds, obviously. But um, lots of work going in on the back back end of that thing right now. And then nice. yeah, we've had a, a really good longstanding relationship with the folks at Hunting Pool, and. Uh, you know, from their side of things, like it's more the the industry, like the the unit knowledge, the insight, right. the yearly annual changes, the you know changes in tag allocations. Like those folks are just so knowledgeable on that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. That you know, one thing that we have decided that Onyx is like our core is mapping. We know mapping. We are experts in mapping. If we're not experts in a certain field, like we're gonna work with the experts. So. You know, yes, we can we can learn, we can hire, we can make that uh, an initiative to go and understand every unit. And if somebody calls us and says, "Hey, I've got 17 points in, you know, what Wyoming, and here's what I want to do. Here's the type of hunt I want." Like, instead of us spending the the time, energy, money, resources to to figure that out, it's like, okay, who is an expert in that field? Right. How do we work together? So that's where where Huntful comes into play and. Um, yeah, they're, they're super, super knowledgeable folks over there. Yeah. Uh, you get, I guess you get free access to hunt and fool when you have an elite membership and, uh, correct. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, so you get a free dig- digital, digital membership to hunt and fool. Okay, cool. I actually used it the other day because when I found out I drew this New Mexico tag, I emailed them, um, a request and they email me back like I think the same day, maybe maybe the next day, but it might have been the same day. Email me back a list of like six or eight guys who had drawn the same tag in the same unit and with their phone number. 
and so you can reach out and, and talk to i reached out to one of the guys yeah. and talked to him and, which that's pretty cool um just talk to somebody who's been there yep. and done that and knows what's going on in the unit you know yeah especially because a lot of those you know like the one you drew you know it, it's different if it's your back 40 or if it's an area that you hunt every single year, you're going to be a little stingy or really stingy with your information. Yeah. Um, even misleading at times, I'm sure. But you know, with, <laughs> with those draw tags and stuff, it's like, if I'm not going to draw that tag again or, yeah, you know, or with New Mexico, it's a straight years, lottery. So. so it's like, yeah. it's almost like everybody has equal chance. So like, there's no real reason to be super stingy about information. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's not like you're going to go kill a bull, but, you know, that guy was going to try and kill next year, potentially. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a really cool thing that they have. And then, you know, you get the digital membership with your Onyx Hunt Elite membership. And then kind of their more top-tier all-access membership is like, you can just call them. And I do this every every year before I apply in any state of like, hey, here's, here's kind of what I was thinking. Here's how many points we have. Here's how many points my wife has. You know, she doesn't, with us having a new kid this year, she doesn't particularly want to draw a tag. So we're looking for like a harder to get swing for the fences tag, but mm. also like one that she doesn't have to spend three weeks in to be successful. And like, yeah. you can break out exactly the type of hunt that you oh, that's cool. have envisioned and your points and everything. And they're like, you know, I would look at this unit. I'd look at that unit. Here's why I think this unit would be good for you guys. And you know, this year their tag allocation went up a few points or a few tags that nobody knows about. So you have a better chance to draw on like the, the information and the, uh, the knowledge that they have on, on that type of stuff is it's, it's pretty mind blowing. Every time I call my first, I grab a pen and a notepad <laughs> and I just like get ready to take notes. Cause it's uh, pretty invaluable information. Yeah. Um, okay. So I got to ask, I, I know, how to use Onyx pretty well, but are there any like secret ninja like tricks that you know about that most people don't know about? <laughs> and there, there probably, there certainly is. Uh, I didn't think if I can come up with one real quick here. It's one of those things that I'm so close to it that to me it's nothing yeah. that's like crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it's kind of the same with hunting and your information. I was talking to a few people about this in the past, and it's like, you know. The, especially the guys that get after it every year and like they're shooting, let's just say big bulls with their bow every year. And you ask them what they do and they're like, I don't know. I just go out and call and I do this and that. Like they, you're so close to it that you don't realize like the information, you don't realize sure. the knowledge that you know about it. Um, I will say one of the cool new things that most people probably don't know. Well, I guess here I'll take two steps back. One cool new feature that I think is super valuable Honestly, I didn't think it was going to be this cool of a feature because it's kind of a small, small deal, but it turned out to be really valuable. Um, it's a quick two-finger line distance. So I think a lot of people are familiar with uh, using the line tool, tapping mm -hmm. on a point, tapping on another point to get a distance. Yeah. Well, now all you have to do is, um, first of all, turn it on in settings, uh, quick two-finger line distance measure. And then all you do is you tap the map on any two points with your fingers at the same time. Ooh. And it will will just drop uh, a distance between those two. So like That's for quick cool. re reference, the problem with the line distance tool is if you want to save it, it's great. But if not, you know, you go tools, line distance, you know, tap the map, tap the map. Okay, there's your distance. Mm -hmm. Now you got to save it, delete it, edit it, whatever. There's a lot of steps to yeah. get a quick distance. So um, 
now all you do is yeah with both your fingers tap the map and last year i used that a ton in colorado one particular instance was uh there was a bunch of fog rolling in and we could see the private property boundary we could see the fence um but we had no idea the distance because we couldn't range and there's actually a buck that we were you know he ended up not being a, a shooter buck but we were kind of getting ready like he was and our range finders weren't working because of the fog uh. we could see the fence so on the map like i just really quickly there, like there's our location there's the boundary you know tap it real quick you can remove your fingers and look at the line and i think it was like 400 some odd yards or something like that but just uh for quick reference that one's really cool and that's cool kind of the the bigger one that is pretty new is um called terrain x so there's a cool subset of features within the computer um version right now so it's not on the phone quite yet but if you go on web map on the right hand side it's called terrain x if you click on that you can now filter by you could say, okay, I want to see things between 4,500 and 5,600 nice. feet. I want to see only southeast facing, you know, slopes. And I want to see like this uh, degree of um, aspect on that terrain. Yep, on steepness. So you can filter all that stuff out. That's so cool. that's really cool. And then one step further is it's called view shed. So if you click on the view shed icon up toward the top, Anywhere that your mouse is on the map, it will show you what you could physically see from that location. So if we're finding Ooh, that's super helpful, yeah, glassing point, shooting locations, um, you know, it's it's so valuable to at least get a good idea of okay, if I park my pickup here, hike up that spine of the ridge, two thousand feet vertical, to get to this glassing point, so I can glass this this bowl in the back of the space, and like, can you even see it? You might get right. up there, and based on the topography and everything you get up there and you can't even see it now you wasted all your energy and time um so that is is super cool cool. um for finding glassing points and that's something that's pretty new you know technology wise to to my knowledge anyways that doesn't really exist anywhere else so yeah i'd seen the terrain x thing but honestly i hadn't a chance to really like play with it much so i'm glad you mentioned that stuff um so you got any cool hunts you're looking forward to this year yeah, so once so far I've struck out on the draws. Um, didn't draw on New Mexico stuff. Not that I really expected to. Right. Um, I was hoping to pull an odd ad tag in New Mexico. I'm kind of a mm-hmm. little late to that bandwagon. A lot of people. Did you are apply doing for that. the rut like hunt? Really... So I applied for three. Um, yeah, one of them was in October, mm-hmm. and then the other two I think I did January or February. Um. It'd be cool to hunt them in the rut, but it would be so nice, like to hunt them in January yeah. for me, just yeah. timing wise, and it wouldn't conflict with any other hunts. And yeah. it's cold as crap in Montana in January, yeah. and like you know, it'd be nice to to get out. So, dude, I'm doing um, an odd ad in anyways. Texas too in February. Oh, yeah, yeah, no kidding. I in yeah, West I think Texas. my dad and I are gonna go down in January. I think is the plan. Okay, um, I'm trying to time it up so I can like, go and then go directly to the expo just to be efficient for sure yeah but i'm gonna miss valentine's day which no, that... my wife won't like but whatever <laughs> yeah i think i missed the last like four or five valentine's days because of expo and stuff so yeah it's uh it's a household norm anymore but um <laughs> yeah that west texas i think will be really cool it's one of those hunts that it is it's getting more and more expensive um yeah. 
when I first wanted to do it or talked about doing it anyways, like three or four years ago, it was quite a bit cheaper. And for the most part, it's not, you know, nothing's getting cheaper anywhere. So it's like, well, while it's still somewhat affordable, we should go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if we would have drawn New Mexico, we probably wouldn't have done Texas, but like we could be playing that game for a while. So, yep. um, yeah, looking forward to that one. And then, um, just my Montana stuff so far with that being said, I mean, I applied for Utah recently and got all sorts of other stuff that's out there, yeah. but nothing that I'm really expecting, um, expecting to get this year. Yeah. I'm like, sort of like hoping i don't draw anything else to be honest which is crazy but um yeah i did i went to so last year i was hunting in mexico and then i had like four or five days between that and the expo and it didn't make any sense to fly home so i just got an otc barbary sheep tag and spent like three days looking for him i never saw a single one but i did kind of get like the itch like it was a cool yeah. hunt. The terrain was amazing. So I, I same thing. I kind of was like, man, I want to do this. Um, and so I found a, a place in West Texas. That's, that looks pretty cool. So looking forward to that, man. Heck um, yeah. so last, you've got any, any tags that you expect to draw at this point forward? Um, no. So my home state, Virginia just did their first elk lottery last year. Um, so I did apply for that. I don't expect to draw it, but you never know. I mean, uh, that would be yeah. amazing. Um, cause there's some huge bulls actually. Um, and, um, I don't know. I applied for like Kentucky. I do. I applied like everywhere for, for like everything. <laughs> <laughs> like It's, uh, it's kind of addicting. I, uh, yeah. Especially once you understand enough to be dangerous. Cause the first time applying to a new state, it's like, where do you where do you start? Is yeah. it a bonus point state? Is it a preference point? Is it blended? What does that mean? Like there's right. so much, but once you start to speak the language and like understand it, it's uh yeah, I guess pretty addicting. And kind of the same thing, like, you know, I applied for a lot of things that I don't expect. I just applied for uh moose sheep, mountain goat, and bison mm-hmm. in Montana. It's like I shouldn't draw any of those uh statistically but right i don't know i'm kind of i've got kind of a weird uh feeling about a moose tag this year for some oh really odd reason well, it's it's uh yeah so that would be pretty cool but jana waller she got her sheep tag only applied yep. for like six years or something yep and jason's so. had two of them here oh wow man so i mean yeah it, it yeah. can happen um like i said good problems to have um but uh I don't think I have anything else that, and oh, I was going to say too, like also I've been, um, not for a long time, but I'd say this is probably my fourth year of like buying points, like pretty much everywhere. So like, I'm starting yeah. to get to where like stuff's like starting to click, you know, Yeah, yeah. which is a nice it's, place to be in. I, it's a good, good thing to do, man. And I think a lot of times people are like, well, you might as well just apply. But if you if you just get points, then you can apply the year that you know you want to go. And, right. and like Colorado last year, we had three and four points, I believe. We put in for a one-point unit because it was, you know, and I've learned this. I'm regurgitating this. It's by no means my information. But uh, learning it from the folks at Huntful, it's like pick the unit, pick the hunt you want to do. Don't pick the, you know, it. it far too often it's like, okay, I've got seven points. I have to get a seven-point unit because otherwise I'm, leaving points on the table and that was money and that was time. And like, yeah. it's not going to be as good of a hunt. 
we had a phenomenal hunt in Colorado yeah. last year. Phenomenal on one point unit. And I guarantee that there was folks in a six, seven, eight point unit somewhere that it just wasn't the year for that unit. And yeah. we had a much better hunt and experience in a one point unit. So it's like, I'm good anymore with buying points, spending a little extra money, you know, what, whether it's a, you know, two point unit with four points in your pocket, that type of yeah. thing. Like, because you know, for the most part, you know, you're going to go that year. So yeah. for me, it's worth the extra money and extra couple years of applying and buying those points knowing like, okay, next year I can do elk in Wyoming. I have yeah. too many, like just for over the counter, uh, you know, elk tag in Wyoming, I have too many points probably. But if I want to go do that next year, I know I can, like, I don't have yeah. to pay extra in the special. I know I've got more than enough to get it. So it's like, you know, I'll, I'll gladly spend the, the extra hundred bucks or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Was that a third rifle hunt you did? That was third. Yep. yep. Nice. Yeah. I've been looking at that. That looks like a fun hunt. Um, yeah, man. And the thing too is like, sometimes those super hard to draw tags are super hard to draw because there's not that many animals there. <laughs> yeah, man. And too, like in Montana, there's, there's only a couple good deer units in Montana. I really wish that we, I really wish we managed our deer for a little bit better quality in some areas because we have some really good genetics and really good potential. And we're a very like, you know, opportunity first hunt, which is really cool in a lot of ways. But anyways, long story short, there's a few units that whether it's elk, deer, you know, sheep, anything, it's like, even the people who aren't like us and they don't really know, like, if you don't really know what's going on, you don't care enough to like really dive into understanding the units. Like, they know those units. So yeah. they're all applying to those units because it's just like, you know, they might only know one deer unit because that's what everybody else knows and right. that's what they apply for. So that, you know, then that unit becomes exponentially harder because it's the top premier unit. Well, it's not even, might not even be that great of a tag, but yeah. everybody hears about it, knows it like by word of mouth. So that's where they apply and uh, it just makes it impossible. So for sure. Man. Yeah. It's uh a little bit of research goes goes a long ways. Mm-hmm. And there's still stuff out there. I, I, I had a amazing antelope hunt this year at a 0.100% draw unit in Wyoming. Yep. <laughs> so yep. you can go out there and have fun. But, yeah, the first thing anybody who talks says they're, like, interested in getting into Western hunting, I'm like, okay, start buying points everywhere now. <laughs> Just do it. Yep. Yeah, um, for but, sure. And like you, you'll never draw, you'll never chase some of those. You'll never chase down like a 20 point tag, you know, if you're preference point, but there's a lot of states that are going to have to change at some point mm -hmm. and who knows when. So like if you have, you know, you never want to spend a bunch of money hoping that they change their system. But at right. some point, like point creep is just going to catch up with itself and you see it like uh, a state can completely change how they, they go about things. Like they could be preference point this year, next year. They're like, ah, everything is bonus points. Like you square them, you know, it's, mm -hmm. so there's, there's a lot of opportunities. Like, yeah, you might never get that 22 point, you know, mule deer unit. You'll never chase that down just starting now, but get some points and there's some really cool hunts along the way. Yeah. And who knows? They might change it someday. And those uh, points are now a lot more valuable. Yeah. And you're better off with two points than zero. Like the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but second best time is now. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> All right, dude. Cool, man. Well, I could probably keep talking to you forever, but, um, I know we both got stuff to do. You got a little man to get back to. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think everyone knows where to find Onyx, but if you want to give a little plug, like where can people go to download Onyx? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, the best spot just right from the App Store, um, Apple or Google, just Onyx Hunt, get it downloaded, try it free for, for seven days. And then after that, we got a premium membership, which is a single state. And then an elite membership, which is all 50 states, now has Canada. And then the elite membership is really where all the cool stuff comes in. So, yeah. you know, the the it's free draw it. odds with Top Rut. Yeah, the, the digital membership with Hunt and Fool. Lots of cool discounts to trusted industry brands. Yeah. Um, some really cool exclusive gear and stuff. Like the elite membership is is where it's at. So, um, yeah, I've been yeah, an elite member already, since. Check it out. Yeah, I've been an elite member since before I even thought about a podcast or Western hunting or anything. It's just, I just had an elite membership. So definitely check it out. And if you use the code QUEST20, save 20%, right? There you go. Yeah, <laughs> save 20 bucks right there. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thanks again, dude. This is great. And uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully meeting you again sometime soon. Yeah, likewise. Let's uh... – Let's talk more about that September. Hunt, maybe maybe record one of these over a fire and a, a big six-point bowl or something. That sounds amazing. Let's definitely talk about that. All right, dude. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs>